You're listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind, episode number five. Welcome to Confessions of the Creative Kind. I'm your host, Jess Kovic, media producer by day, designer, photographer, and creative entrepreneur by later that day. Join me as I stumble through life as an artist, pick myself up, and confess everything that I've learned on the way down. Y'all ready for this? Let's do it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the difference between being self-taught and going through a more structural traditional program for creative learning, software programs, and theory. And I have a very special treat. My very first guest is with me today, Mr. Adam Kovic of Rooster Teeth and Funhouse Content and my marriage. So I didn't look too far for my first guest. And I'm super excited to share our chat with you. This is going to be a two-part episode because it went a bit long, so you can look forward to the second half next week. But for now, please enjoy the first half of our conversation with Mr. Adam Kovic. Bake them away, toys. All right, so are you ready to get started? Yes. Welcome to the podcast. You're my first guest. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Kovic, my husband, also a creative in his own right, which is why I had him come onto the podcast Yeah, and be my first guest. I can. I, that's that's fair. That's, that's fair. <laughs> you can call me a creative if you want. That's that's very kind of you. I do all the time. You're the most creative person I know. You're the most creative person I know. Oh, well, we've we've come to an impasse then because oh. someone's got to win. OK, I guess. Are, are we done jerking each other off? Um, yes, now okay. I am. Thank okay. you. All good. Anywho, welcome. Thank, thank you for being my first guest. I had no choice. I live here. I didn't have to go too far to find you. Nope. Just knocked on the door and said, we're doing this. And I said, you do it. You go for it. You go, girl. I shook you from a slumber from the bed. And no. dragged you to the microphone. No, I was providing for the family and you know that. But neither here nor there. Do your show. You got to be real good to say that this is going to provide for the family. Uh, no, I was replacing our thermostat because it broke. Thank you for doing that. I, I don't. I appreciate you. I don't. Want, it's a boring story. It's not worth it. I just have to sit on hold for you know half an hour or whatever. But it, I didn't ask you any questions look, about that. I'm not a hero, but <laughs> if you want to know my day to day life, it's I come home and I fix things that break here. I already know that, but yeah. I don't know that our listeners want to know that. I don't think they care. All right, well, moving on. Do they? I don't know. If they care, well, when uh, when you get to your 100th episode spectacular, you can have me back. Um, TBD. I'll, I'll put you on the short list. How's that? First, I was on the short bus, and now I'm on the short list. Just there keep, you them, go. keep them coming. Moving on up on in the world. Speaking of, did you know, you know, that I attempted a podcast before, mm-hmm. and... I got to four recordings, and the fourth the fourth one didn't turn out so well, so I scrapped it. This is the fifth episode that I'm recording. So I have officially, right now, I'm recording more episodes than I did last time. Congratulations. Thank you. As uh, the great Walt Disney once said, and was quoted numerous times in Meet the Robinsons, um, failure is good. It's not exactly what he said, but it's always <laughs> keep moving forward. Remember the family all celebrates because they fail. 
That was a good movie. Because the kid fails. I watched it on the plane when I came home. It was underrated, but a good movie. Yeah. Did he say that before or after his head entered the vault? I'm not sure. Probably on his way in. Mm. He said a bunch of stuff that was Screaming anti- Screaming and clawing as he was like, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, a lot of anti-Semitic stuff. And then uh, lastly, keep moving forward. Ah, oh, perfect. It's very quotable. Hero. And here we are, years mm-hmm. later with his legacy. Yeah, so keep moving forward. So let's really get started because the people want to hear about our creative chit chat. Okay. Um, so I've asked you to come onto the podcast today to talk about being self-taught because we have kind of different backgrounds in our creative upbringing and story. I was traditionally taught through school. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to college. I have a degree in graphic design. So I would call that formally taught. You have a bit of a different story, which is why I wanted you to come and share that with everyone and talk about the differences and what can be gained, maybe pros and cons. Mm-hmm. But first, in theme of the podcast, Confessions of the Creative Kind, do you have anything you'd like to confess? My life is more or less an open book, um, having done this for so many years that for one thing, actually... I, I sort of learned to let go of that a long time ago, where if you're going to have a career being yourself, which is more or less what I've done uh, to a degree, obviously it's a, it's a hyper version of myself in a lot of ways, but it's, it's more or less me. I'm not playing a character all the time. You could say it's, it's, this is me when I'm sitting upright and I'm paying attention. That's typically my character, but uh, no, that what I have to confess is I have nothing to confess. <laughs> Because almost, I mean, after you do so many GTA races, you have to come up with stories where you talk about every part of your childhood. Um, because then you start to run out of material. material unless and people you get to, to laugh at it. They no, laugh for at sure. Your childhood. Yeah, yeah, no. And I, I mean, look, one day, one day we'll run out of stuff to talk about. But um, right now, it's we can still bring up like the first time I shot lifted or the first time you got a blowjob or any of these things where it's like, these are stories and confessions that we can do on a day-to-day basis. So, Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to save my first blowjob story for later on in the podcast. I, I mean, you let me know when you got your first blowjob and we can uh, I'll let stories. all the listeners know. They, okay. They'll, they'll have earned it by that sure. point. I'll give you something to confess. What's that? Ready? Have you listened to the rest of my the episodes of this no, podcast? I have not. I, I have what a hard... are you doing with your life? There's already four out in the world. There'll be another one by the time they hear this. Uh, it's the same way. I don't expect you to watch anything I make or anything I do. I, I do. assume I assume you're busy and you have a lot of content to catch up on. And it's I look. I wish I could watch everything Ricky and Elliot makes, everything Sark makes, everything Achievement Hunter makes, everything all my friends make. Hey, well, good. I wish I could listen to every podcast my wife makes. Good news for you. There's no video element at this time. It's just for your listening pleasure. Okay. I, all I know is when you had, uh, Mary and I, my sister listen to your podcast, you ran off into another room because you wanted us to give feedback. You are so. confessing on my behalf, and I don't think that's sanctioned at this point <laughs> I don't in, know. in the interview, in this I'm podcast. So, I look, I would love, I would love, to sit and listen to all your works. I would love to see everything you do every day. I would love to see that with you and so many people. I feel like it, we're at this oversaturation point with content where even my own wife makes content. Even every your wife when she should be making sandwiches. No, God, no. <laughs> I'm, I, 
we joke. You and I can joke like that. Mm. <laughs> um, because there's always going to be a listener who goes, are they joking? Is that what they do? Because let's be honest, I'm the one usually wearing the apron. That's true. Yeah. He does cook me dinner. I, and I, that. But that's the other thing, too, is I don't believe in gender norms, mm. nor should anybody, You're really. You're so woke. I, no, not at all. I've just, I think I grew up with the mindset that, the, like, sure, there, there are gender things that we conform to, whether physically or mentally in different ways that it's things that you can't break out of, out of your nature, but like those old ways of women should stay in the kitchen. Women should raise the kids. The dad should go to work and yada, yada. Like that is, I never had that growing up. It was, I lived with two women who both worked and then who were both divorced. And so my perception of what a family was, was already twisted in some way. So growing up, I never, I never asked anyone to be, or I wanted anyone to be a subservient to me. Hmm. It was always, I was always raised to be, whether my mom knew she was doing this to me or not, I was raised to be independent. It was, you can't have all these things. And if you want it, get a job and figure it out. So I said, okay, I'll get a job and I'll figure it out. And I sort of, one of the big reasons why I'm attracted to you and why we found each other was you you were, you're very similar in that. I mean, with that type of upbringing that, it makes sense that you, in your career path, you kind of carved your carved your own way and consider yourself, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. you consider yourself self-taught, no? Uh, yes and no. There is no one meaning to self-taught. So There's let's the... actually, for anyone listening and to define it for our conversation here, mm-hmm. define what we're talking about or referring to when we say self-taught. For me, I feel like traditional ways of education going to college community college university sitting in a classroom with a teacher instructing you hands-on in a more traditional sense is what i'm speaking of when uh, the opposite of Mm self-taught when i think of self-taught in my head i feel like that's someone that proactively sought out information without a teacher without a formal setting without a classroom either looking up tutorials or looking up um, blog posts, articles, online, reading books, um, actual physical books, and teaching themselves creative programs or design theory and other creative strategies in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm So I'm somewhere in the middle. I would say my first introduction to any sort of equipment or any sort of editing or Anything like that was like, I mean, the first thing I ever edited on was a uh, VHS, um, VHS to VHS, which is supposed to replicate a reel to reel um, editing thing in my middle school. And then, I mean, even before that, we were trying to do in camera editing, which everyone else would do, where, you know, you had the giant camcorder and you'd go shoot the scene and then stop and then you'd move, shoot the other scene because you didn't have any editing software because mm. uh, it wasn't really readily available at that time there were forms of it but it wasn't quite at where you know anywhere near where it is today so let's backtrack a little bit for anybody that doesn't know who are you what do you do (laughs) what why am i tapping you i i Um, i could tell people but in your own words what do you do for a living sure how is that related to the creative industry i am one of thousands if not millions of um 
generic throwaway white dudes oh, on the goodness. internet. I'm doing a joke. Let me do my thing. <laughs> um, who can be classified as sardonic or sarcastic, however you're feeling that day, with a aptitude for improv humor and video game culture. And I've just sort of been doing this job for a long time, and that job being creating entertainment on the internet. In a lot of weird ways, I fell into this position, but I also I was seeking it out. It, it's really so weird. So making, making content for the internet, meaning videos... I always just wanted to create content. Mm-hmm. Um, making content for the internet was not a thing. So if you were to I, just, if you were to describe someone's not, not familiar with your content, sure, you make videos primarily for the YouTube platform, mm-hmm. and it's revolved around gameplay videos with commentary to yeah. put it in its simplest form. I've in my journey so far, which is far from over. I've gone from doing just general game capture, working at a TV station, booking talent, writing video game reviews, editing reviews, uh, being in videos, producing videos, directing, producing other sorts of content, uh, and then kind of moving into a position where I'm more of a talent forward facing person. And none of this was out of a plan. It was more of fulfilling a job necessity. And because of that, my persona sort of rose along with the brands that I was working with that now I'm considered a talent, which is really weird and not something I'm used to in a lot of ways because still to this day, my favorite things are to do are always behind a computer screen, uh, behind a camera. I don't always like to be in front of the camera, but I've learned to have a lot of fun with it. And thank goodness I work with some amazing people that I'm very comfortable being in front of a camera with. With that said, I still get stage fright. Sure. (laughs) Because I'm still really not used to it. And there was a moment when I knew I didn't want to be on camera. And that's when I tried out to be on camera for a TV station. Years ago, G4 TV, as it was called, I think G4 Tech TV at the time, was having open auditions for Attack of the Show. And I drove down to Santa Monica to try out for it. And I was like, I want to nail this. This is my dream. This is what I want because I thought that's what I wanted. I read the thing. I I had a panic attack. I fucked up royally. And it was that moment where I realized I don't ever want to be on camera. This is nerve wracking. No one should do this. I'm going to focus on my editing. I'm going and to then focus. you made a career being on camera. In a weird <laughs> way. And, it, and honestly, me being on camera was always out of necessity. It was... I did it out of job security, honestly. So where would you say your technical expertise is, is in? Editing and graphic design. I very much enjoy Photoshop, and I very much enjoy editing on Adobe Premiere. So considering your background, being independent, just growing up in your childhood family situation, and it was interesting that you describe your whole career out of doing things and learning things out of necessity. I feel like that's a backbone. It's what drove you to being self-taught. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you saw a need and then you went seeking out information to fulfill that need. Yeah. I mean, the furthest back I can remember where I needed to facilitate a need for something that I wanted to make was in high school. I had to do a project for 1984 
the George Orwell book where we need to do a project uh, in relation to that book. So I was going to create the, uh, I forget the exact number, the five or 10 minutes of hate mm. uh, thing that they would do, Inksock would do, where they would show off Big Brother and it would just get everyone rallied up, you know. Um, and so I tried making it in, uh, what's that, a PowerPoint. And oh. because it was a slideshow and it like kind of worked, but not really. And then I think my brother, Louis, was like, you know, you could just do that in like Adobe. And I think he had like a hacked version or a, a pirated version of Adobe Premiere or Sony Vegas, one of those programs, and showed me like, oh, interesting. Because then I just took what I knew in PowerPoint and then just went, oh, this it translates. The program's very easy to use. It makes sense. I get nonlinear editing. This makes sense. Did you pick up an editing software or did you pick up Photoshop graphic, in essence, a graphic design software first? Uh, around the same time. Um, they were becoming more and more readily available, but I picked those up in high school. I was learning Photoshop because we had a, was part of a literature magazine called Lit Mag, and they would put together this thing every year. And I was just, I just got hooked on Photoshop from there. And I started, I was like, I was very amateur at it, but I knew what I wanted to do. So I kept picking more and more and learn and kept asking the teacher more and more teacher actually was really into it at the time. So he was very helpful in teaching me with it. But, um, this is in high school. This was in high school. Yeah. And then from there, um, I just kept up with Photoshop and I actually would hang out on video game forums all the time. And they had a Photoshop thread where people would request signatures, which was like a little after you would leave something on the forum, you'd have a big image with your name on it. And people would want like a video game character to represent that but they want it stylized in some way. So then I started learning Photoshop from there. And then one of my friends who had graduated from full sale was a big nerd. And he was, he got like a part of his degree was learning Adobe um, after effects and then uh, Photoshop. So like he would help me out and I would just learn from there. And it was more of like, I just really enjoyed creating these little pieces of art of like, Oh wow. Blend modes are really cool. But it, there were these, there were so many, assets for the for you at the time because they would have these things called you go to a website called gamerenders.com and people would already cut out characters they'd crop them for you and they would call those renders which is mm. not really what it is <laughs> um but that's sort of how my brain interpreted these things where i'm like oh cool someone will just give you a png of a cutout character but like little did i know is just i was teaching myself pretty much how to make thumbnails before there were thumbnails and i just you would find websites like Photoshop tutorials.com or like uh, PS tut.com. And mm. every day they'd be like, here's a tutorial on how to do this cool effect. And you just learn all these new things all the time. And you would end up just carrying that out through the program in different ways. I have to say that when we first started dating, some of the things that we connected on was creative programs like Adobe Photoshop. And I had just started college at Brooks Institute at the time and I was studying graphic design mm -hmm. and we bonded because you were not studying graphic design but you were seeking out these tutorials mm -hmm. what was it good good toots good PS tuts no there was a good something that oh, you introduced me oh, to. oh maybe it was like good tutorials.com good tutorials.com yeah, you like had sent dash. me a lot yeah and you were like, oh, these are so great. I'm, I just do a tutorial and 
in doing that tutorial of learning how to do something kind of plug and play, like make a comic book character of your make comic book art out of yourself Mm -hmm. through that taught you how to use Photoshop, taught you how to use the program. And then you could apply Mm -hmm. it to other things that the other things that you wanted to make creatively, you already had those tools. Yeah, for sure. Which kind of blew my mind because I was in school going through a program where we were getting assigned homework and projects and everything was very structured. Mm-hmm. And here you were seeking things out on your own. And this was 2005. Something like that, yeah. To where I was still getting my feet wet in the internet. I didn't have internet in high school. Mm-hmm. Getting the internet and a computer, it was kind of a new world to me. And you dove right in. So you yeah. sought that stuff out. You've You've always been like that. that. I have a little bit of an inside scoop onto you and your mannerisms. Well, there that was something growing up. I'm I'm very lucky that I grew up in the time that I did where our generation is really interesting where we had no technology, like very basic 80s technology that somehow just sort of sat there throughout most of the 90s while no one was innovating anything to this just explosion of technology of internet becoming broadband and computers becoming IMAX and um, pagers becoming smartphones. Like almost we barely had cell phones. Like we had them for a few years, but then freaking iPhone came out in 2006 or whatever it was. And just like, was already changing everything. And then that was, I could see everything converging. I was like, I remember when the iPhone came out, I was working when they announced it, I was working at machinima. And I remember like, showing the CEO, like, did you see this thing? Did you see, it's going to change everything. Like our whole business model has got to work on like videos are going to be on phones now. And he was like, sure, whatever. And like, (laughs) obviously it was still four or five, maybe 10 years too early or whatever till we were fully there. But I also grew up in a household and mostly on my mom's side, a little bit on my dad's side, but um, my mom was always very tech interested in a weird way, I remember we stopped at a Comp USA when we were driving down to see a family in San Diego to go see the iMac. They had it at a store because they didn't have Apple stores at the time. And there was a line of people waiting outside to see this new computer. So, like, by proxy, I was always really interested in that. Um, I was always trying to get computer games to work on my dad's piece of shit, Hewlett Packard. We are trying to get Command & Conquer to work on, you know, Windows 95. And it was just always tweaking and always changing stuff and taking things apart and putting them back together. And so like, I was just always sort of fascinated by that. And like, you know me, I'm still always tweaking things and I'm always trying to change things or make it just slightly better. And then yeah, like going to my uncle's house when he had, um, broadband internet, not knowing what broadband was. And then we, we went from dial up to broadband in my house in like a week. Like we went, we went for most of our lives, not really having internet, kind of having it with CompuServe, not really understanding what it was. Um, and then all of a sudden in high school, my mom was like, we, she's like, Merry Christmas. I got us a computer. It was this compact. It was like a computer from Costco. And then she got dial up and she got sick of it. And she <laughs> found out they had cable broadband in the neighborhood. And then next thing you know, we had Roadrunner. Mm. and it was like, holy crap. Cause I remember we were trying to download music off Napster on a dial up took forever. Then like, you better believe it when you got the mission impossible Two soundtrack on Napster downloaded super fast on roadrunner <laughs> shit was crazy. But it was like, I always had an appreciation of technology just sort of would seek it out of trying to find cooler things. But that, a lot of that came from my mom, like where she, she, she was actually really 
always interested in editing. She was editing before I was, she was just doing it for fun. And then I needed to start using it for like school projects and stuff. And so she would walk me through how to use Adobe Premiere. And she always talked about, Oh, I want to use final cut final cut. So cool. And she's like, Hey, if you can find it, we can get it. And she, she wasn't aware that it was a Mac program only. And then I told her, Oh, you know, it's Mac only. So for my, my graduation gift uh, from high school, my mom bought me a Mac G4 Quicksilver, which is like the old, old towers. But it, it was sort of like Homer when he bought the bowling ball. Mm. It was like, it's for you, but it's, it's for all of us. So, uh, so like for the house. Yeah. So that's for the family. That's when I, I mean, like, and I was uh, around that time. That's when I was really getting into Max too. Mm. And their Max were the shit back then. And like, that's what you would edit on. And they were cool. You have a strong background in editing, video editing and film, but I would say you're mostly self-taught in that as well. I did take a class. I took one class in college. In, in community college. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Way to play it down. No, I just, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with community college. I myself went to community college before I transferred to a private school to get my degree. Whoa. How's that private school doing? Uh, full disclosure, that private school is no longer in existence. Yeah. <laughs> it you, is defunct. You and Matt Peak. So you guys, the, the last alumnus. Hey, Matt Peak, my college roommate who now works works with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I took a class because, yes, I I was learning the program, but I still felt like there were things that I wasn't getting. Um, the best thing about that class was I learned very basic fundamentals of editing a scene. Would you say that the class got you interested and then you felt like you could continue your learning journey on your own? The class almost discouraged me because oh. the teacher was sort of learning along with us. Oh. Um, the teacher was a classically trained editor and, um, he, he was a really cool dude. We'd always we'd talk after class about movie ideas and stuff like that. And episodes of Harvey Birdman and things like that. Like we had a very similar sense of humor and we just sort of clicked, but, um, he was an older guy and he wasn't really up on Final Cut 4 and he was sort of learning along with the rest of us. And so when I realized he was just teaching me from the same book that I already owned, I was like, okay, I can, I can go through the book myself. What I really needed there was access to better computers, equipment, stuff like that. And then the coolest thing was they gave us some old dailies for the show Gunsmoke. Oh. And you would learn how to edit a wide and a close-up, which is really cool. But that that was a moment where I sort of realized what editing was and how much of it is actual intuition. Hmm. And how you can feel something being right or wrong. So I would say... That it took your you being proactive to do that and have that thought. That's not the path that I went down, and I don't think I could do it that way. I chose to go to school and get a degree and continue in a program. I mean, maybe in hindsight, maybe I, I could have proactively sought it all out myself, but I craved a structure, and mm. I feel like there's two different types. There's several types of learners, right? So people that we're going to seek out the information themselves. And some people work better in a more structured environment with a teacher. And I think that I'm one of those people. I don't think that I would have, maybe I'm selling myself short, but I don't think I would have gone down that path completely the way, the way that you solely took it on yourself without going through a program. I think I've just editing programs from, from what they used to be non-existent reel to reel, editing and taping film together and then going to the magic, which is avid 
and then Final Cut and Adobe Premiere and all these other programs that are just like, I don't think people realize how amazing those programs are and how mind-blowing it is that you have access to cutting-edge film technology Mm -hmm. that people 70 years ago would have gone insane for. Like, the the way you can create content now so easily is is baffling to me and I'm, I'm always appreciative of it. But then at the same time, you will sometimes forget when you're like, ah, damn video is going a little slow because my solid state's not as hot as it would be in damn 4k footage. I need so more spoiled. Ramp- so we're spoiled we are, in 2019. We are so spoiled. Uh, it's, it's fairly ridiculous. So you had, you had an experience where you almost went to school. Yeah. So a, a, when I say school after, high school and even after you had done some community college after that yeah. and tell me about that and what you ultimately decided and how you think about it now in hindsight i had gone to community college where i was just getting my general ed but i was also focusing on film uh film editing film classes all those sorts of things because that was the fun part spanish 101 sucked english 101 sucked i did actually take some um classes that I really did enjoy. I took a journalism course, creative writing course, things like that. They actually took one of my short stories and made it into a play. Ooh. Um, it was selected, which I was like blown away. I was like, that's pretty cool. It was more or less Is just... Is that out somewhere? Can we all go see it? Uh, maybe someone filmed it. I don't know. Mm. Um, it was just called War of the Words. Um, but it was just... I was just writing funny dialogue for two characters. Do you still have a copy of that? Somewhere. Yeah, I should. We might have to dig that up and put it in my show mo- my <laughs> show notes. Sure. Yeah, I'll try to find. It. I I'm actually wondering if it's still funny. I don't know. But then I even took an acting class, um, not so much to learn how to not to be an actor, but to actually understand acting and what actors have to go through. Because I assumed at some point I'd be working with actors. You know, when we were working together how we met we were working at retail store also defunct anchor blue rest in peace r.i.p um i remember walking out one night and you were telling me about the classes that we were taking and this is before we were dating Mm. you were telling me about your acting class and i said oh you want to be an actor and you said god no (laughs) i just want to learn how to talk to actors yeah so story checks out yeah yeah no that's it's this is one of those things that i'll 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 get to the the question you asked shortly about my career but it's always like a story within a story um i say this for most jobs never you should never look down on any position anyone does ever first of all just general respect but also if you're doing a job or you're not doing a job the reason should be that you're too busy doing something else you should be able to do every job for a production Um, and the person that you hire, say they're an editor, they need to be as good as you, if not better. That's, and then only because that creates respect where you don't tell an editor, well, can't you just do this? You have to understand it. Exactly. Understand what you're asking them to do. Right. And you need to be able to communicate. So when you say, I want an L cut or I need a reverse here, or I'm not feeling this. And then the editor can go totally get you. I'm the scene is missing emotion. We need to find it. And if, but if you just go, I don't know, I just don't like it. You're an asshole. And there are people like that where they go, I'm going to be a director or producer, but I'm going to have no understanding of how anything else works. And my mindset was always, I've always had a very indie sort of mindset. And I think that's why I gravitated towards the internet because it is a sort of do it all yourself, 
fuck the red tape and just get it done. That was always my favorite thing because I've worked as an art director and a producer and it's kind of different spectrums of a production. One of the art directors more creative focused and the producer is more logistically, how do we get it done? How do we stay within budget? So when I was working as a producer, having a creative background, working with other art directors, when they would just say, can't you just make it red? It needs to be red. It's very important that it's red. And while I understand that it's red, or that you want it to be red, making it red versus blue costs X amount of dollars. And that goes out of budget and logistically. And then me thinking about it creatively, why does it need to be red? What is wrong with blue? How can you justify that to me? And part of one of my strengths, being able to see both, being able to see the big picture in both sides to where, yes, we want this best creative, but how can we get it done? And then that extra layer of creativity comes when you can figure it out within those constraints. But man, when people couldn't understand that other side, it was super frustrating. Right. And that's why I always say like, you'll get better work done if you have a mutual respect and understanding of other people's jobs. Not, I'm not saying you have to, it's always best to meet in the middle somewhere, but if you're just hitting a wall and you're going, why don't you understand and they're looking at you going, why don't you understand? <laughs> it really helps if everyone has done everyone else's job and at least have some sort of respect for it. All right, guys, that's the halfway mark. To listen to more of this conversation, you can tune in next week for the second half of my chat with Adam Kovic. You can go to the show notes for today's episode at jesskovic.com forward slash podcast forward slash five. And we'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much for listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind. If you'd like to see more of my work, you can visit my website at jesskovic.com. And if you're interested in snagging some of my design products, you can visit my online art boutique at sugarbunchcreative.com. You can find and connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at jess underscore kovic. And finally, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store and then tell a friend. Why not? Until next time, take care and talk soon.